Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. The Democrats have won the special election in the George Santos Katara Ravashe Memorial 3rd District of New York. Former Congressman Tom Swazi fending off a politically amorphous opponent who may or may not have been an ex-Democrat. The count was supposed to take at least all night on Long Island and in Queens, yet the website Decision Desk called the race for Swazi 58 minutes after the polls closed. Then the Associated Press rang it up seven minutes after that, by which point Swazi had about 59% of the vote. And even if that margin does not hold up, this not only flipped the seat back to the Democrats, but it completely deflated the whore House Republicans' performance art impeachment last night of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas by one vote because a Democrat stayed home due to COVID. There is not expected to be a trial in the Senate. Mayorkas was, of course, charged with... with... Uh, charged with... I don't know... charged with not being a Republican. But back to Long Island. And yes, it snowed on Election Day. And no, it wasn't a blizzard. And yes, it was sunny by 3 p.m. yesterday. And no, it's not actually much of a predictor for November because it is in a conservative swath of Long Island. And while the Democrat Tom Swazi was trying to deny he'd ever heard the name Joe Biden, the Republican Mozzie Pillip was trying even harder to deny she knew the name Donald Trump. And the whole election was about immigration. And Pillip, of course, was born in Ethiopia and emigrated from Israel. And her husband is from Ukraine. And not only isn't it a predictor for November, it's not even a predictor for this district in November because it's going to be redrawn by then. And as somebody called it, this is going to be the most expensive rental in Congress congressional history. And yeah, I did it this way so I could update the results as they came in. Now here's the real podcast. So now the full breadth and the full stink of Robert Hur's perversion of the special counsel statute is becoming fully clear. 
Robert Hur has not just churned his report clearing President Biden on any willful retention or sharing of classified documents into a Trump super PAC, and he's not just arranged or attempted to arrange follow-up testimony to one or maybe two House committees, which are themselves Trump super PACs. Robert Hur took it one step further. As Politico aptly for once puts it, Robert Hur is at the center of the Biden age plot. The news site sources on Capitol Hill report that, quote, House Republicans are activating a weeks-long, perhaps months-long plan to keep questions about President Biden's mental state in the spotlight. Three House committees have asked the Attorney General Merrick Garland, whose stupidity left the president open to this scheme, redolent of a previous Republican Congress hunting Hillary Clinton and one before that hunting Bill Clinton. It has asked Garland for transcripts, tape recordings, witnesses. They want to drag this out with hearings, follow-ups, press conferences, allegations about national security, and even just umbrage if Democrats thwart their plans to Benghazi the her, I'm not a doctor, but I play one with the nation's life, report. Infuriating as that is, there isn't a way, but there should be a way, to put Robert Hur in prison for this, and Garland, and James Comer, and whoever plotted this. I mean, Politico would not have called it the Biden age plot without evidence that it was a plot, which means planned in advance. Infuriating as it is, there is still one important overarching message. The Republicans are terrified enough to play this very dangerous game because if you manage to put Robert Hur on the stand and you put Biden's age on trial, you run the risk of her revealing whatever the Biden age plot really is and you also put Trump's age on trial. And you also put Trump's documents kleptomania and espionage on trial. And by the way, Trump is actually on trial for stealing those documents and would go to prison for espionage. It seems to me the Democrats have two choices here. Garland has previously testified that most special counsels have themselves testified to Congress after their investigations were complete. Doesn't mean this one should. Robert Herr broke departmental rules. Moreover, he broke faith with the legal system, even as the Republicans view it. Robert Herr is a crooked operator. He is the equivalent of a snitch. He is the equivalent of a three-card Monty dealer. The attorney general could deny him permission to testify and prosecute him if he tries to testify anyway. Or Senate Democrats could notice that smell of rat. Again, Politico, the voice of the mainstream, the home of amoral both sidesism, the promulgators of a morning newsletter that was sponsored yesterday for around $300,000 by the fossil fuel industry trying to protect gas guzzling cars. They were sponsored by, you know, Planetary Suicide Incorporated, Politico called it the Biden age plot. The Homeland and Government Affairs Committee in the Senate has a permanent subcommittee on investigations, and that subcommittee could take Robert Hur and whoever the middlemen were and whatever his deal was with the House GOP to the effing cleaners. Your call. Lady or the tiger, again. 
I still like the attorney general shutting this down and Biden telling him, you take the heat. You're taking the fall. You hold the press conferences. You fix this. And if you do it right, I'll let you resign. Better to give the Republicans just one note to pound. Biden won't let us talk about his age every day until the election. But he's not really very smart, except he won't let us talk about his age every day until the election. He's really super genius. Remember, this is the environment we are in right now. The New York Times has an opinion piece this week, the body of which actually quietly marvels that anybody could possibly think Joe Biden's age is as important as Trump's past treasons or future treasons, and they still managed to stick atop it this headline, quote, which is worse, Biden's age or Trump handing NATO to Putin? While we are here in this environment, there is also a subtext to the Biden's too old, too infirm, too, well, let's see, what else have we got on him? He's too Biden-ish story, a subtext that probably has not hit you yet. I only got it the other week when I turned 65 years old. When 68-year-old Bill Maher says Biden is too old and feeble, or when 69-year-old in eight days David Axelrod says Biden is too old and infirm, or when 72-year-old Maureen Dowd says Biden is too old and troubled, or when 77-year-old Chris Wallace says Biden is too old and risky, or when 61-year-old but he looks 75 John Stewart says Biden is too old and just as bad as Trump, they're actually not finishing their thoughts. The whole sentence actually is, Biden is 81 and too old and feeble and infirmed and troubled and risky, and I am not. I'm only 77 or 72 or 79 or 65, and I'm sharp as a tack, especially compared to that guy. Look at him. He, he's old. I, I'm not old. I'm Chris Wallace. I'm eternally young because I dye my hair daily. And I'm Maureen Dowd, and I'm eternally young because I constantly make hip cultural references about Truman Capote and Charles in Charge. And I'm John Stewart, and I'm eternally young because I am too cool to let the fact that one of these men might crash into his words once in a while, and the other one would encourage Russia to attack Poland, but I would never let that interfere with my saucy 1998 comedy. I'm young. I'm young. He, he's not. I'm not dead. I'm getting better. I don't want to go on the cart. I feel fine. I think I'll go for a walk. I feel happy. I feel happy. You don't think that's part of it? You have no idea, kid. Concurrent with the big Medicare birthday the other day, my extraordinarily well-prepared friends from grammar school, you know, the ones I met in 1962, they started the process of setting up the 50th high school reunion 18 months early. Ominous birthdays are one thing, but if you have not yet heard the singularly terrifying sound that is the bell tolling for your 50th 
high school reunion, you have not been through all that existential trauma and night terrors have to offer you. So what did I do? Reading 50th high school reunion. I instinctively, reflexively, desperately seized on the fact that now, as then, when I graduated high school at the age of 16, I am about a year and a half younger than all the rest of them. I'm only 65, and I'm sharp as a tack, especially compared to that guy. Look at him. He's old. He's 67. If you want to look thin... Rodney Dangerfield told us as Thornton Mellon, you hang out with fat people. If you want to feel young, John Stewart tells us, you mock and insult old people. If you don't think John Stewart, who was never smart, but during the Bush era was pretty clever and could read well, if you don't think he's lost the plot, it will never dawn on him that he will be in the first bus with the rest of us to go into those anti-Trump holding cells. It will never dawn on him that when right-wing influencers take his clip and repackage it as the Daily Show rips Biden on his mental health, that means he just increased the chance Trump gets elected. It will never dawn on him that if his show's account tweets out the video and it gets a response reading, balance and humor return... And that's from Elon Musk. John Stewart, you failed. Where's Craig Kilborn when we actually need him? As a side note, John Stewart's cable audience for his much anticipated return after nine years in the wilderness 930,000 viewers. So, less than Alex Wagner. By the way, yesterday I was asked by a friend why so much of the American commentariat is willing to go after Biden's age and or memory when in real time it did nothing, nothing, about Ronald Reagan's early stage Alzheimer's of 1987 and 1988 and 1989— There are two explanations. One, we were still in the immediate post-fairness doctrine era then, and there were still residual standards and residual fear. Two, we have lost the ability, and I mean everybody from Charlie Kirk to the New York Times, has lost the ability to differentiate between facts and truth. Is it a fact that Robert Herr wrote what he wrote in his report, informed or irresponsible, insightful or politicking that should cost him his law license? Yeah, yeah, it's a fact. He wrote it. We used to then ask, well, it's a fact that he wrote it, but is it the truth? If somebody says on the record, Donald Trump has slept with a family member, it's a fact that somebody said it. Is that enough to go with it? Is it the truth? Nobody asks that second question anymore. Nobody asks if Robert Herr knows what the hell he's talking about. Nobody asks which ulterior motive drove him. Nobody asks if it's irresponsible to report it. They just report it. We report. You decide. 
if it's the truth or not. So what is the solution? What is the solution to the rotting carcass of what used to be journalism, now additionally scared because every day they lay some more people off yesterday, 20 people at CBS News? What do we do about the effect on the writers and broadcasters and the, the maybe this will save all our jobs and, and make us seem younger part of it? What do we do about all of this? Happily, the light bulb over the Biden campaign is finally buzzing and sputtering to full illumination. As you may have seen Sunday after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and a million QAnons felt their Taylor Swift conspiracy theory had just come true, Biden's social media posted the Dark Brandon laser eyes meme with the message, just like we drew it up. Yesterday, the campaign account posted a new meme, 2024 voting guide, next to a picture of Biden, didn't encourage Russia to invade Europe, next to a picture of Trump, encouraged Russia to invade Europe. Sharp enough dagger as it was, but then came the coup de grace. This one's for the New York Times. Yes, please. More of it. Every day, every hour. Carpet bomb Trump. You got a TikTok account now? Joe Biden, use it. Use Twitter X. Use other social media. Memes, videos. Trump's insanity. Trump's gas. Trump's dictatorship quote. His adoration of dictators like she. The man is a content factory. Take all of his videos and put them out every day. Do one of those voting guide ones about how he killed the border deal. Donald Trump said killers are coming across the border. Why is he helping them come across the border? The media both sides something? Call them out. This one's for the New York Times? Excellent. The next one should be for Chris Wallace. Or Dowd. Or John Stewart. By name. And the millions you are going to spend on advertising on television in the swing states? Do a TV spot that starts, we all know Donald Trump is insane. Do another one that starts, we all know something is wrong with Donald Trump's brain and it's getting worse. Do another one with him explaining when he'll be a dictator. Do another one with the video of his deposition where he says the photo of E. Jean Carroll is actually his second wife, Marla Maples, and then do some game show effect and play the game show loser womp womp sound. And all of these spots should end the same way. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message because I'm the Democratic candidate for president. And that's not a brand name. We're Democrats. We're the party that wants to keep democracy. Also of interest here, a New York Times writer has slipped. He has given away one of the real reason the Times thought not just liberal, but the most liberal by everybody except anybody who reads it. Why the Times glories in hitting Joe Biden over the head every day and why it gloried in hitting Hillary and Obama and John Kerry and Al Gore and Bill Clinton and William Jennings Bryan, probably. And that real reason is as petty and as unbelievable and as infuriating as you could imagine. That's next. This is Countdown. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. 
Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Still ahead on Countdown, it snowed here yesterday. Snow makes me think of the Winter Olympics and the most snow I've ever seen in a fairly snowy life. And then I check my notes and it's the anniversary. It's today. It's 44 years ago today when my career almost came to an end atop a mountain in Lake Placid, New York, because my bosses had gotten me drunk the night before and the wind chill that morning was 50 below zero. I'll explain next in things I promised not to tell. First, time to honor those from the wonderful world of the Dunning-Kruger effect. Today's worst persons in the world. The bronze worst, Sean Hannity. Boy, is life tough when you're merely... A well-paid carnival barker for the Republican scam show, Media Matters reports that Hannity got a little deep in the weeds on the Hunter Biden non-story last year. Remember Hunter Biden? 
the number of different segments Hannity aired on Hunter Biden was 325. That is an average of one and one quarter Hunter Biden segments per show. Media Matter also reports that out of 325 segments, 220 of them contained at least one false or misleading claim. So now what's happened? The Republicans have bailed out on the Hunter Biden story because as hard as they tried, it didn't go anywhere. And the yokel they put in charge of it got caught lying. And their mob is upset that he got nothing out of it. And they all want to now go and switch to the Robert Herr story instead. 325 handy segments on a dead scandal. What did Hannity get for his trouble? Well, scotch. The runner-up. Runner-up. Who am I, Tom Brokaw? The runner-up, Worcester. Talman Smith of the New York Times. Talman Smith. I dealt with him once on a cover piece I did for the Week in Review, I think. Nice enough guy, a little frantic, if I remember. If you'd like a neatly, succinctly summarized microcosm of where and when the Times jumped the shark, here it is. Mr. Smith got into a social media discussion of how the Times went nuts over the Robert Herr story. You'll remember that the stat was 33 Times stories in four days. Quoting Mr. Smith, To liberals, parentheses only, slash primarily, blaming the media, when was the last time Biden did an open presser or did an on-record Q&A with us? Right. Thank you. We're not his PR people, unquote. No, well, no, you're not. What you are is you are the first targets when a Trump back in power decides to jail reporters, even in front of Jon Stewart. But life is like a box of chocolates. You never know which one contains your ticket to a Trump concentration camp. The point is, Mr. Smith is expressing a reality that reporters don't usually reveal. Often they judge their response to the news and the key people in the news based largely on how easy those people make their jobs. Trump is a psychopathic would-be dictator. On the other hand, he's just a fire hose of stories. But Joe Biden, well, that Joe Biden hasn't given the Times a sit-down interview lately, so we have the right to burn him to the ground and the democracy with him. In other words, democracy may die in darkness, but retaliation from the New York Times thrives in darkness. Oh, by the way, Talman Smith in that media post there, he misspelled the word we're. But our winner, the worst, and I know this is out of date, but I can't let this go by unappreciated. Chris Saliza of the Washington... P- no, they fired him. Chris Saliza, contributor to MSN... No, they got rid of him. Chris Saliza, writer for CNN. No, gone. Chris Saliza. He has a newsletter. Anywho, poor Chris. As you probably have heard by now, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., stole verbatim his uncle's JFK's 1960s campaign ad. A Trump donor bought time during the Super Bowl to run the 1960 commercial, complete with the voices of President Kennedy and others, and over the furious howls of indignation from other members of the Kennedy family who rightly feel that my former friend Bob is nuts. And whether he knows it or not, my friend, former friend Bob, is just another Trump stooge stalking horse. The blowback from the other Kennedys was so bad that RFK Jr. actually apologized. Of course, 
He also at the same time pinned the commercial at the top of his Twitter feed. That got the attention of the Federal Election Commission because the candidate is not allowed to have any coordination with the PAC that spent, what, 15 million to run that ad that everybody hated? I mean, there may have been a crime committed here and, and not just a crime against good taste. So where does Chris Saliza, the tuning fork for political reality, whatever he says, the opposite is a certainty. Where does Chris Saliza fit into this? Right after the purloined Kennedy ad ran during the Super Bowl, somebody who turns out to have been a professional Trump and RFK Jr. shill promptly tweeted, the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. ad was brilliant. Chris Saliza saw that about an ad that the world was poised to immediately condemn, and Chris retweeted it and added, quote, totally agree. Chris, wait, don't let the Titanic leave port. I have to get on board, Saliza. Today's worst person in the world. Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. 
Just ahead, for years, for decades, occasionally in my dreams, I would hear in the background the public address announcement. There is a bus leaving for Whiteface Mountain. Il y a un bus qui part for Whiteface Mountain. Es gibt einen bus, der nach Whiteface Mountain fahrt. The Lake Placid Olympics of 1980 still haunt me, and for one dreadful moment, which today is the exact anniversary of... Next in things I promise not to tell. First time for another dog in need. You can help every dog has its day, and today it's personal. My friend Andrew Blauner has a big, lovely Bernese mountain dog called Smiles, because she does. A little while back, Smiles suddenly became sick. It proved to be cancer, lymphoma. The good news is, no evidence it has spread. There have been two chemotherapy sessions now, and Smiles has tolerated it well and perked up, in fact. Those are great signs. But there are 23 more chemo days to come for her, and they will cost money, and Smiles could use your help. Andrew has set up a GoFundMe for her at GoFundMe.com. Just search Smiles Mountain, quickest way to her. The bad news here is Smiles is just two and a half years old, but anything you can give will be gratefully welcomed. Just publicizing Smiles will help. I'll put the link out on Twitter again. RTing it can make all the difference in the world. Smiles thanks you, and I thank you. Alarm goes off. It is pitch black in my room at the Swiss Acres Motel. It is Valentine's Day, and I am still drunk. Keith knew he was in trouble. But I was also 21 years old, and in fact, my 21st birthday had only been 18 days earlier, so somehow I survived. Showered, dressed, Packed, and I mean I packed, two cassette tape recorders, four sets of batteries, an audio processing machine that weighed like 14 pounds, the 9-volt batteries it took, I think it was a dozen of them, a telephone, a backup telephone, 12 assorted patch cords, two loose-leaf notebooks, about eight pens, two microphones, two extra pair of socks, Then I got dressed, two full sets of thermal underwear, shirts, sweaters, snow pants, snowshoes, because it was 11 degrees below zero that morning. I got something quick to eat at the commissary, and I made it out somehow to the line for the bus from the Lake Placid Olympic Center to the Lake Placid Transportation Center to Lake Placid's own White Face Mountain, then onto the snow track, the open-penned mountain tractor that went up the side of White Face Mountain and took me to the finish line of the 1980 Olympic men's downhill ski final. Still drunk. That is how a reporter covered the Olympics nearly 43 years ago. You drank. You woke up, you went, you stood near the finish line, and when the skiers completed their runs, you hiked or wobbled over to them, and you took out your microphone or your pen and you interviewed them like two minutes after they had finished hurtling towards you down the hill. You could see almost nothing of the race from there. There were no TV monitors. Basically, your only clue was the sound of the crowd that would give you about 30 seconds worth of warning that the skier was coming over the near horizon and you should be prepared to flee just in case he or she wiped out. Also, 
you were on top of a mountain at the dead point of winter. And whereas it might have been a balmy 11 degrees below zero in the comfort of the Swiss Acres Motel, with the wind chill at the base of the mountain, it was 48 below zero. And there had already been four inches of new snow since the sun came up. Which is where the still drunk part came in handy. My bosses at my first job, the thousand station radio network called United Press International Audio, had decided the night before to teach me how to drink while on assignment. My bosses were the bureau manager for that part of UPI, the late Stan Sabic, who had hired me, and Sam Rosen, the sports director of the network, who not only somehow survived being my first boss, but today, just 43 years later, is still working as the television voice of the New York Rangers hockey team and is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So I guess my reputation as a tough employee is wildly overrated, or at least Sam thinks so. Sam and Stan kept me drinking at the motel until 2 a.m., knowing full well that I had to get on the 6 a.m. bus to go cover the men's downhill because it was the two of them who had assigned me to go cover the men's downhill. And bluntly, I was surprisingly pleased with myself that freezing morning because I had indeed learned how to drink while on assignment. I had somehow found the phone jack for the UPI phone buried under all the new snow, which of course was buried under all the old snow, attached the phone to it, gotten a dial tone, called the office, checked the alligator clips with which I would feed the tape, and all was well. Until I went to put a cassette tape into the cassette recorder. I didn't have one. Fat lot of good two cassette tape machines gonna do you without a cassette to stick in one of them. I looked forlornly around the base of Whiteface Mountain. 1,200 feet above sea level as we were, there was a surprisingly nice chalet and a decent restaurant, but there were no radio shacks or other electronic stores. There was, however, one other radio guy, Jack Briggs. From the Associated Press Radio Network, the nominal arch-rival to our own UPI audio. I knew Jack a little. He was a nice guy. I went and explained my plight, making sure to blame my bosses for my predicament. Oh, man, he said, his breath turning into first steam and then ice cubes. I'm so sorry, but I, I, I can't give you a cassette. I'm sorry, you're UPI and I'm AP. <laughs> oh, how I laughed. That was a great line to say to a rookie reporter still drunk, thanks to the initiation rituals of his own bosses, the possessor of one great buzz but zero audio cassettes. Jack Briggs could tell I thought he was kidding. That's when he said, I I'm not kidding. Look, look, if my boss Shelby Whitfield ever found out, he'd fire me. I suddenly wasn't drunk anymore. Not at all. My my boss will, will, will fire me. Briggs was adamant. I, I can't run the risk of Shelby finding out. I have to confess, I shouted. How in the hell is he going to find out, Jack? I think subconsciously I was hoping to create an avalanche, which would have been a better solution than the one I was faced with. I said to him, there's you and there's me. And we're on top of a goddamn mountain, and Shelby Whitfield, your boss, is in Washington, D.C., and he's a drunk, and he's probably more drunk than I am, and he'd probably thank you for helping me to drink more. 
Briggs would not budge. I told him I would pay him. I told him I would give him the cassette back after I fed my boss the interviews over the phone so there'd be no evidence and he wouldn't even have to do any interviews. No good. I'm sorry, and I know you're going to tell this story about me for a while. As he walked away from me, I shouted after him, FOREVER! Turned out there was no Radio Shack and no camaraderie, but there was a West Coast newspaper reporter atop the mountain who heard some of this conversation. (laughs) I guess I yelled a little loudly at Mr. Briggs. Some guy standing next to a St. Bernard told me to quiet down. He mentioned something else about the avalanches, or maybe I dreamed that part. I don't know. Anyway, the West Coast newspaper guy said he had a micro cassette machine and he would loan it to me and I could give it back to him at the media center that day or the next one. But I had to do him a favor because there was this really cute reporter in our UPI bureau and he really wanted to be introduced to her. And I said, I can promise you nothing but a handshake. And he understood. And that's how I did not get fired. But of course, a story like this has punchlines. And this one has two of them. The first is, two years and a couple of months later, Shelby Whitfield asked me to lunch. He had left the Associated Press to run the sports department at the ABC radio network back when that was not only a thing, but a big thing. We went to a terrific New York City Chinese restaurant near ABC called Shun Li. And Shelby Whitfield interviewed me for a job when that kind of job paid 80000 a year and my very nice studio apartment in a very nice part of town cost less than $500 a month. Later, in an interesting twist, I found out that jobs didn't exist. I was mentioning the interview in a press box somewhere, I think Madison Square Garden, and there was another kid reporter named Howie Rose. And Howie is still working. He does the New York Mets games on the radio. And Howie said, wait, they, uh, they interviewed me for that job last year. It's just an excuse for that damn Whitfield to go drink his lunch on ABC's tab. Anyway, before we started the interview for the job I did not know did not exist at ABC, I told Shelby Whitfield the white-faced mountain, can I borrow a cassette, Jack Briggs story, and Shelby's exact reply was, how in the hell was I going to find out? There was you and there was him and you were on top of a goddamn mountain and I was in Washington. Only he didn't say goddamn. That Briggs, he added, always trying to suck up to me. I gotta tell you something. I actually once promised I wouldn't tell you if we ever met this. When the Olympics were over and he came back to the office, he told me what happened. He expected me to be happy or give him a bonus or something. And I called him a little snitch. Only Shelby didn't say snitch. Just a word that rhymed with it. The other punchline is from 1992. And remember, this happened at the 1980 Olympics. I go to work at ESPN and come in a little early to launch their radio network, a story I've told here before, and there I find a friend of mine since my radio days who I had not seen in a year or so, and he says, hey, last month I was at an NBA game in Washington, I ran into Jack Briggs, he heard you were going to ESPN, he asked me if you were still telling that story about the time you got stuck on Whiteface Mountain without a cassette, and he was the only other reporter there, and he wouldn't give you a spare, and I told him you were... And I smiled and I replied, I hope you remembered to use the word forever. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Have I mentioned we've been nominated for Best Political Podcast in the iHeart Podcast Awards? It'll be given out next month. Did I mention that? Only one of the five nominees that's independent, no network, no backing. 
Just me and the dogs. I was wrong on one key point, however. You cannot vote in this category. I knew I wasn't doing as well as I should have been. It's all rigged. It's fixed. I could still win if Mike Pence has the courage. Not going to win, but what the hell. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Ray was on the guitars, bass, and drums. Mr. Chanel handled orchestration and keyboards. It was produced by TKO Brothers. I mean, Pod Save America, which is on an exhausting two-day-a-week schedule, is also nominated for Best Overall Podcast. So you can guess if it's Best Overall Podcast, maybe... And it's in this category of best political podcast. They're already they're going to win best political podcast. That's the way this stuff works. I'm not bitter. How can I be bitter? Uh, this is my first podcast nomination for anything. It's an honor just to be nominated. Other music, including some of the Beethoven compositions, were arranged and performed by the group. No, it's not just an honor to be nominated. No, oh, I'm sorry. The name of the group is No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Elderman theme from ESPN2, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Tony Kornheiser, who probably regrets recording that. Everything else was pretty much my fault. Let's count down for this the 266th day until the 2024 U.S. presidential election, the 1,133rd day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Use the 14th Amendment. Use the Insurrection Act. Use the justice system. Use the mental health system. Use memes to stop him from doing it again while we still can, John Stewart. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.